Hi, you may be seated. We are in uh, the book of Second Thessalonians, uh, and we are dealing with uh, chapter two. And um, this chapter is a little start off a little bit, a little bit uh, difficult to understand uh, because of the way that Paul is addressing some things in here that he may have said to them when he was with them, but he don't reveal what he said in this letter. And so therefore, it opens it up for a lot of speculation of what he was talking about or who he was talking about. So we won't try to get into a lot of conjecture on that part, but there are some things that is, is very clear. So in, in this chapter, Paul tried to clarify something that had been falsely taught about the Lord's second coming. And if you remember in the first uh, book, he told them that, you know, when the Lord come back, those who are dead are going to rise first, and then those who remain will be caught up. And so he set them to ease that the Lord was coming back. But there was still some speculation on when he was coming. So as a result of that, people were starting to be alarmed again because someone had taught them that his return was like imminent right now, like as if they know, knew. But Paul talks about some of the signs in this chapter, just a little. But like Jesus, when Jesus talked about it in Mark 13, he never... Uh, uh, there, there's no need for each, he never tried to pinpoint a day or a time that the Lord was coming back. And so what he does, similar to Jesus, is he tried to warn Christians to prepare by living right every day. So whether he come back in your lifetime or not, it don't matter. And you don't have to spend your time, you know, marking calendars, trying to figure out. I know in my generation, I know there have been two or three occasion where people have made declarations. You know, the Lord is coming back. You know, doomsday, the end of the world is coming. And people went out and did crazy things based on someone saying those things. In 2000, when we turned over to the new millennium, you know, everybody thought, hey, this is it. You know, the Lord's coming. And when people don't know the truth, that Jesus made it clear that no man know that time. Not even him. He said, that is reserved for the Father. So, what he's trying to get us to see is that we shouldn't spend our time in this life trying to figure out or believe in folk who say they know. Because if you get up, run upon somebody who say they know, they lie. They don't know. Because God said they don't know. But if you don't know the truth and you don't know God's word, then people can't sound good. That's how people end up in these camps and colonists following people like a David Koresh or some of those folks like that because they think he's Jesus and lead them down a, stress, uh, a path, and, and they end up, some of them end up dead. People end up in these communal tribes, you know, with people that they think is the Messiah because they don't know the truth, and then therefore they find out that they have been deceived, and, and once they get so far gone, they don't want to come back. And so what we got to see is that as believers, we have to do all that we can to try to understand God's word and understand it to be true to us. And if we accept it as truth, then we won't be deceived by the lie. The lie is going to be in the earth till the Lord come back. Because the devil is a liar. He's a deceiver. That's the way he operates. That's the way he do things. So we shouldn't be surprised that people lie. I mean, it just it happens. So therefore, when, when you see those things happening, you should not be alarmed by it. Because you should know that that's just how the enemy operates. Just like the Lord has forces in the earth working for his good, the devil got forces in the earth working for evil. No different. And, and sometimes, just like the Lord used people, the devil works through folks too. The Bible says, you know, he got messengers in the earth that can disguise themselves like angels of light because they can deceive people to believe certain things. So, so there are familiar spirits in the earth. We, we, you know, there's a spiritual realm out there, and we got to know that we have God's Holy Spirit and his word, and so therefore those things should not cause us to be so concerned that we don't do what God is calling us to do today because we're trying to figure out when he's coming back tomorrow. Amen? And so, so those were the type of things that, that he was trying to come against early in this, in this letter, in this, in this particular chapter, because, you know, somebody may have went to a, a meeting, and yeah, some of y'all have been to meeting where somebody get up and prophesy. Sometimes they prophesy. I mean, because some of the things they done said didn't come true. 
I mean, I'm not saying people lay hands on folk head, tell them this is going to happen to them in, in two, two years, and they still walk around and got And so what I'm trying to tell you, just because people say they done heard from the Lord, don't mean they're telling the truth. I mean, you can get up right now and say you done heard from the Lord. But we, listening to you, got to be able to discern what you're saying. And I always tell folks, if it's, if it's something futuristic going to happen, then all I got to do is wait and look. I ain't, I ain't going to be worried about what you're saying. You say what you want. But if it don't happen, I know you lied. And that didn't come from God. So there have been false prophets around. And some of y'all don't got y'all heads laid on by some folks that just lied over you. I know, just think about it. <laughs> you know, you don't got that lied over you. It didn't come to bad days. So, so the point I'm trying to make is that we're living in a time where people can easily be deceived because they don't know the truth. And I said this on Sunday. We're going to sit here. Everybody got their truth now. And ain't nothing wrong with your truth. Your truth is your truth. But if your truth conflict with the word of God, then your truth is a lie. Ooh. But, but anything can be true to you. I mean, you can just say it long enough and that, that can be your truth. But as a Christian, you got to balance your truth when it comes to God and the way he does things off his word. Amen. And so what we got to see here is that deception is going to always be in the world. Ever since that Christianity or believers started to profess Jesus, there's always been an anti-movement out there that goes against that. And there are people in the world today who are just still anti-Christ. Just anti-Jesus. That's all that means. Anti. So sometimes when we hear that terminology, we get along, but you don't need to get along. It's not new. It's nothing new under the sun. So what we need to do is just try to stick, stick with the, the truth that we know and stand on that because that will give us a good fun, firm foundation. And then we won't be fooled. And that's what we want to kind of talk about tonight. So in verse 1 of chapter 2, he says this, Dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things. See, obviously, they had heard something that disagreed with what they had been taught. So now he has to come back and say, let us clarify some things. There's nothing wrong when you don't understand something on your job or anywhere you work in or deal with folks. Just ask for clarification. You know, if you don't know, you just don't know. And if you heard it, but you didn't understand what you heard, then now you could have a, a wrong interpretation of what you heard. And so therefore now, you need somebody to clarify. Because if you don't get it correct and clarified, you'll run off with the wrong interpretation of something, and then now you confuse another folk. So if you don't know, don't be ashamed. You just don't know. There's going to be some parts he said here tonight, I'm going to tell you, I just don't know. But I know what other folk are saying about it. it to them it may be true, but I ain't going, I, I ain't going that far. Because there are certain things in this word that God just don't reveal everything. That's why we have to be able to spiritually discern certain things when it comes to how God moves. We got to know his mode of operation. And once we know and understand how he operates, then we can see how a certain thread will run through the whole Bible. You, you, you'll just sense, hey, man, he did this there. He was like that there. And all the way over here. That consistency let me know that God must be involved with that. I normally don't run off with a one-off with something only said one time in the Bible. It's there, but that is not something you run off with and build a whole doctrine on something that is only in the Bible one time. And some people do that and mislead people. That's why we have to study. That's why we come here tonight to try to study and understand. So he says, look, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how he will, and how we will be gathered to meet him. Well, you know, in chapter 4, the last book, he told them, hey, those who are dead are going to rise first. Those who are remaining will be caught up. So he had already kind of went through some of this with them concerning the Lord's coming and, and how they were going to be gathered up. So he says this, don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord is already begun. He says, don't 
believe them. Even if they claim to have had a spiritual vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us. He said, now look, there are folks right now talking all the time. You know, I, the Lord done showed me. Okay, I ain't got that. He may have, but, you, but if he ain't showed me, I ain't believe what you said. I mean, you know, when somebody come to you and say, this is what the Lord said to them about you, they ought to be confirming something <laughs> that God done already spoke to you. They shouldn't be giving you no new revelation that you ain't never heard about you. If you got a relationship with God, why is he going to talk to somebody else before he tells you? Now, I ain't got no problem with people having insight and prophetic wisdom, but look here. Sometimes you just got to know you God's child. That ain't how he operates. That's almost like in your family, if you got children and you want to tell your daughter or your son something, but you go down the street and get Billy Bob and tell Billy Bob, hey, come down to the house and tell my kids this. Billy Bob ought to come in and say, hey, I heard what your dad has said to you. He shouldn't come down and say, this is what your dad wants me to tell you. No. That's just my take on that. And so what I'm trying to say is that when you don't know and people use language like that, they can sound spiritual, but they could be deceiving you. Because we like them terms. Oh, when someone comes and say they claim they had a spiritual vision, it's hard to deny what they done saw, but they tell you they saw it. Okay, but it ought to be able to, you ought to be able to verify that God ought to reveal something to you so that you don't just run off with every vision that everybody tell you they don't have, especially if it's about you. Now look at this. He said, now, spiritual vision and a revelation. You know, people are always saying they're getting God revealing something. Hey, everything he wants you to know is already written. Ain't no new book of the Bible out there for you. Read the one you got, stay with it, and you can get every revelation that God wants you to have. If someone's going to come to you with something new and improve revelation, you better double check it. Because I'm telling you, people writing and making up stuff every day. So he's saying, now look, he's telling these folks that, hey, when these things happen, don't you get along. Even if you receive a letter that comes from us, supposedly come from us. And back then, people were writing letters, and sometimes they were forged letters, just like some people do today. I mean, some people can just forge a letter, sign your name to it, and send it to somebody. And if people don't know you and know how you write and how you, how, you, how you conduct your business, they could be deceived. But anybody who know you, really, really know you, and have that type of relationship with you, when they receive something, they ought to be saying, this sounds like this person. This is something that they would do if they got it to that degree. But nowadays, you ain't even got to worry about it. You can pick up your phone and call them. Hey, I got this letter in the mail. Did you send this to me? I got this. Did this, did this come from you? Because if you need to know before you start running off with stuff that you have got in the mail from somebody. Man, when I first started ministry, we used to go to all those conferences, man. And once you go to one of them, they put you on their mailing list. And I got all kinds of stuff in the mail. I mean, folks had all kinds of prophecies. I mean, just, just, hey, the Lord wants you to know this. You need to be a part of the, the window pain blessing. What is the window pane blessing? You know, the Lord's going to open up the windows of heaven and pull you out a blessing that you have not room to receive. And I'm saying, okay, well, what I got to do to get the window pane blessing? If the Lord just that good to me, then further down in the print, I want you to count every window pane in your house. Okay, and then when I get through counting, what I got to do? I got to send you some money that equal all the windows in my house. And then with that, I will get the blessing. Now, what kind of God would send me a letter like that? But there are some people out there, you know, elderly people just watching certain channels late at night, don't know no better. They do that. They get taken advantage of just because they don't know. And it sounds good. Everybody want to receive a blessing from the Lord. But I tell people all the time, God will bless you for obeying. You ain't got to pay him to bless you. You just obey him. And so what we got to see here, when we don't know those things, there are people out there who are cunning and crafty, and they can deceive you, and you will think you done heard from God when you're just being played. He 
said, now look, that's what he says. So he says in verse 3, don't be fooled. Now, I ain't going to stand here and tell you that I ain't never been fooled. Early on, you know, when you're chasing the Lord, you just want a little bit of everything. You want it. You want it so bad. And, and so, yeah, you figure, hey, I done, I, done, I done got caught up in my feelings and wrote a check that I couldn't pay for, you know, before I, before I had Because I wanted to bless her. I didn't know. I was ignorant. I never got caught up with laying money down at folks' feet. I never fell for that one. You know, money coming to me now, and you come lay it at the man of God's feet, and then you're going to be blessed? No, that ain't how God operates. But there were people out there who thought that my blessing is connected to me going and doing this, not realizing if that was from God, they'll be still doing it today. That season is over. They don't they con enough people now, and they don't figure out the con, so they don't stop doing that. So anything that people say from God, it's supposed to be able to withstand the test of time. It ain't going to be something that's going to be a fad to come in and then leave, and all of a sudden it ain't clicking no more. No, that's when man made stuff. And men can do things like that because the people of God don't know his word. They don't read, and they don't understand how God operates. And when you understand how he operates, then you won't easily be manipulated and deceived. So that's why he says, don't be fooled by what they say. For the day will come, the day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God. Talking about, you know, at the end time. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. Now that man of lawlessness right there, Paul really... He, he threw a wrench right down when he said that because he didn't say who the man of lawlessness was. And, you know, and, and based on the time that he was writing this when the, the Roman Empire was big, the church was growing and being strong. A lot of Protestant commentators took this lawlessness one as someone who elevated themselves to be equal to God. And so when you read Protestant commentary that, that hate on the Catholic Church, they kind of make this picture fit the Pope. Because in, that lang- in some Catholic language, the Pope called himself the most holy one, the holy father, the da-da-da-da-da-da, all that. And, and, he, and, and if you know what they were talking about here, you know the Catholic Church got their own city. And they, you know they got their own government. They got their own form of government. So some Protestants, probably because they were mad because they broke away from them, figured that at, during this time, that is probably the bad guy. Well, I ain't going that far. I mean, I read up all of them, but I, I don't know who the bad guy is. I ain't trying to figure it out. I just know what the bad signs are, what they're going to be doing. And so, therefore, I'm not trying to pinpoint who that person is because if I look at some of these things here, that fit a lot of folks that I know. <laughs> I mean, you, you just, when you start, I mean, that, that, that fit, okay, let me read over. He said, he said, he says, a great rebellion is God, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. Look at this. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God, claiming to be God himself. And from that scripture, that's what he came up with. It. They might think it's the Pope, you know, but... It was written back then, and I, I wouldn't go that far. But, man, when I just saw people who would defy everything called God and exalt themselves as if they was exalting themselves above God, man, folks, picture just start flashing, coming, yeah. That dude could be the Antichrist. He could be the, the lawless one. But then, whether he is or she is or not, the Bible say, he ain't going to be revealed until his time. And so if Paul didn't tell me who specifically it was, I am not going to spend a lot of time trying to figure out who it is. Amen. Because then now I can spend a whole lot of time trying to do something that God didn't call me to do. And so what we have to do, this is where our faith, we have to trust God and say, okay, we know that these end times are coming. You know, and, and there's always been end-time prophecies. But the thing that we got to go on is what Jesus said. You just be ready. You watch and pray. 
And if you do that, it don't matter when it comes. You don't need a calendar in, you know, on your phone and put a date there. You just live every day like it's your last day. You're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. And you ain't got to be worrying about everything that the other folks worrying about. You're going to be all right. But there are some people who can't accept that simple truth, and now they're trying to sit down and figure out, and when someone come up with a date, then, you know, yeah, that must be it. These are the signs. This is happening. Wars and rumors of wars. Well, Huh? Bird. Oh, okay. Bird pain. Okay, I got you. So what we got to do is to try to say, okay, God, we trust you. We trust your word. So therefore, these things are going to occur. When they're going to occur, it's not that important to me. I just need to be aware that they're going to occur. And then knowing that, and if I live like they're going to occur, then it don't matter. It really don't matter. But because this was causing a stir, he wrote about it. He said, now look, don't you remember that I told you? So right here, he's going back to something that he alluded to in a conversation that he had with them, but he don't say what it was. So for me to stand here and say, I know what he wrote them, and I remember, I wasn't there. So all I can do is, based on what he's saying, conjecture toward, hey, this is maybe what he meant. And that's how people come up, well, maybe he was talking about the Catholic Church. Maybe he was talking about this. But maybe he wasn't. It don't matter. Don't matter. And you know, I done heard, you know, in, in, when I first uh, got saved and listened to certain uh, evangelists and stuff like that, there were certain religions that we painted and we were told that were, you know, false religions. So they had the Mormon church, they had Seventh-day Adventists, they had Jehovah Witness, and they had, you know, the Catholic church at the big. And, you know, not knowing, not reading, not studying, and hearing credible people say that. So I started looking at Jehovah Witness kind of crazy. Because they, they did, they did some of the stuff they said they were going to do. They're going to come to your house, going to get in, and you're going to have a hard time getting them out of your house. I mean, but they were serious about that. So when, when I saw that, I said, man, those are false religions. You know, they don't start sending me the watchtower. I ain't asked for it. I don't want that. But what I'm trying to say, as time changed, some of those same people now, for political reasons, are standing right next to the same folk they told me was from the devil. And that confused me. So that meant that they must not have known what they were talking about. Now, you can study all of those religions. You're going to find some issues with them, but you're going to find some things that are close to the truth, but maybe not all of them. I had an a, 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 a enlightening experience when I went out to Utah because that's Mormon country. And so I went to where, you know, what's that, John? Not John Smith, the other one that traveled out west. Uh, the one that, you know, Brigham Young, you know, and, and you know, you got the tour. And they told you all these great things he did and how he saved the world out there and created this, expanded this religion that, you know, was getting chased out of the east because they, you know, they thought they were from the devil. So the people east chased them west. And when they went west, they thought they were the savior to the Indians. We're going to teach these folks how to survive. And so now out there, I mean, they got, they got everything on lockdown out there. I mean... And it was a good story. That, you know, he told us, hey, if I bring him young, okay? And it sounds good. I mean, the 12 apostles that he had, this was the room that, okay, I listen, I listen, man. He's close to the Bible. Now, I wasn't going to stand there in the man's house and, you know, arguing. I'm trying to learn what these folks believe in. But I, in the back of my mind, I was told, these folks are the devil. I mean, because I done heard that a long time ago. And it was a nice man talking to me. He was nice. He wasn't trying to persuade me, but he was trying to say, yeah, we, we missed some things. He even admitted, I think we got that marriage thing wrong. <laughs> I, I think we got that wrong, but don't hold that against us. But, but I, I do believe we got that. And when he said that, that put me at ease because now 
I ain't had to argue with him about having all the wives. Because he admit that, hey, they may have gotten that wrong. Somebody gave him a revelation that may not have been right. And so what I'm trying to say is that when you don't know something and you experience it, you know, you got to be able to take it in and then go back and sort it out. Because you don't want to be prejudiced by what other people are saying who don't know, but you ought to want to learn so that you can have the truth about everything. Religion is such a broad, broad topic, man, and it goes so deep in so many cultures, so many ways. You know, you better do all you can to hold on to your piece of religion called Christianity. Because just like you believe hard of what you believe about Jesus, there are other people that believe hard about something else. Just as hard as you do. And so therefore, when you don't know the truth, you can be easily pulled away from it. And so therefore, because certain things sound like truth. Down in the islands, you know, black magic and white magic. I ain't never heard of it, but I heard of it. Go ahead, get a mic. I was raised in whichever witness, believe it or not. And their teaching is, is great. They, they really teaches you. It's, they don't baptize you until they actually train you and teach you. They're not in a hurry to dip you in no water. But there is like a lot of faults with them, but they have a lot of good things. But one thing that really turned me away, even when I was a very young woman, there was like a big earthquake where we was living at. And there was a, a lady live across the street, very old lady, and, and then we have the house off across the street where we live at. And then she was Jehovah Witness, and the people them that live around the corner behind our house, they was Jehovah Witness. So even when I was a young woman, I, that marked me because then I always knew that because of their own teaching that Jesus wasn't selfish. And that lady, as much as she couldn't walk, and we used to have to go over there to help her do certain things, this lady came all the way downstairs in the broken up street, past our house, and went away around the other side of the house to visit with the other Jehovah Witness them to make sure they was okay. Because if, if you are not a Jehovah Witness, and you fall in the street, they'll walk right past you and go and look for somebody else. And I, from my young, I know they can, it can't be good for you to see somebody out there falling. You don't take them up because they don't belong to your church or your, what you believe in. So that was one of the things that pulled me apart from them. Amen. But the training is great. Amen. Amen. And you know, we have members in our church who was brought up in the Catholic Church. I mean, they was, went through the catechism, all the training, got good knowledge and stuff like that. But at some point in time, you know, the, the Lord spoke their heart and, I, and they figured out, hey, there was something out there better for them. And so therefore, people get introduced to religion. And, and, and when I say religion, I'm just talking about the whole concept of religion regardless, you know, because voodoo is a religion. You know, anything you practice and believe can be called a religion. Witchcraft is a religion. That's how I got in the military. You know, when I first came in in 73, we ain't had no wickedness. I mean, they, they, nobody would even think about that. But by the time I was retiring, you know, they had space in the chapel too. So, so anything that you believe in can be a religion that you hold near and dear to your heart and that you practice. So if he says, don't you remember that I told you about all this when I was with you? And you know what is holding, now he don't tell us this, but he said, you know what is holding him back, the, the lawless man, for he can be revealed only when his time comes. And so like I say, there's a lot of conjecture out there to say who's holding him back again because at this time the Roman Empire was ruling and some say, okay, the Roman Empire was holding back the lawless one from coming forth and doing what he's supposed to do. But again, I couldn't find nothing to say concretely right or wrong about that because Paul did not clearly state that here. He says, for this lawlessness is already 
at work secretly, and it will remain secret until the one who is holding it back step away, out of, step out of the way. He said, then the man of lawlessness will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will kill him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. Now that's all I need to hear. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't care how bad he is. I don't care who he is. All I know is that when that time comes, he's going to get killed. <laughs> he's going to get... So now when I know that and, and see that is truth for me, then I ain't worrying about the lawless man. I, I'm not worrying about Because I know the one whose side I'm on is greater than he is. And so when we truly buy into the fact that the greater one lives in us, we will not be intimidated by a lot of things that come in our life because we're in this world. But when we don't know that and don't realize that, then things that sounds true to you, that makes sense logically, but it don't pass the spiritual test, will confuse you and cause you to worry about things that God already got under control. You just live like the Word of God admonish you to live, and trust God for the outcome. And I tell you, you're going to be all right. Going to be all right. He says, now look. Verse 8, he says, then the, law, then the man of lawlessness will be revealed, and the Lord Jesus will kill him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splitting of his coming. This man will come to do the work of Satan at, with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. So, you shouldn't be surprised when folk can counterfeit the gospel and can do things that you think is so supernatural because they say they can work a miracle or sign. He says, he's going to come and do the work of Satan. Well, if you understand Satan and how he operates, you'll understand how the evil one's going to operate. The lawless one. Because you know, if you don't know, you need to go and study the study of satanology, demonology, and all that, and, 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 and learn his MO. Because when you understand the devil's mode of operation, that he's a liar, accuser of the brethren, you know, the Jesus said he's the father of lies. So when, when, when this thing occurred, it got to follow that pattern. It got to deceive people. There got to be some deception in it. And when all those things start showing up, you got to know that is not from God. And so you got to understand the enemy that we are fighting against because you understand that he's an accuser and he is an adversary. And so knowing that and knowing his M.O. should put you at ease because you know, hey, I can recognize, I can sense, I can discern when he is operating in the earth. And I understand that he can use people too. Counterfeit power. That means, you know, you know, some of y'all right now, because you've not been trained in it, you would know a counterfeit bill from a real bill. That you've been trained, there's some counterfeit money out there that's so real and so good, you can't even tell what the eye no more. That's why they use markers now in the bank. They got the marker. Used to be a time you could hold it up and see the little seals in it. You can look at the little sharp teeth and say if they're uneven and all that kind of stuff. Now them guys done got good. And so what I'm trying to tell you, when you don't know what is real, it's easy for you to fall for the fake. And people now can duplicate things that make them look like the real. And so what we got to see in this is that the devil is no different, man. He, he can counterfeit some things. He can, in, 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 in Corinthians, you say, look, he got angels that come down as, as angels of light. I mean, looking almost just like they love Jesus. But sooner or later, they got to operate like they were designed to operate. And if you can discern that, you can see that, and you don't have to be 
you don't have to fall prey to the attack of the enemy. So you got to know your enemy. You got to study him because he's in the earth. He got in First John. We did that. We saw that he said, you know, uh, the the Antichrist spirit is already in the earth. And so therefore, that means that there are people out there who are going to be anti-Jesus, anti-Christ. That shouldn't alarm us, but it should arm us to be ready to defend the hope that we believe in. So look what he says. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool. Somebody say to fool. To fool those who are on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. Now get this. This is where we got to take a deep breath and just come to grips with it. That everybody is not going to believe the gospel. Cousin Bobo just may not. Uncle Jim Bob, you don't talk to him, you don't plead with him. Did all you could, but he's still going to go out there and cut the food, do what he want to do. All you can do is what God told you to do. Once you do that, then Jim Bob, blood ain't on your hand. People walked away from Jesus. When his teaching got to the point that he was, you know, getting in their grill a little bit, challenging them to do some things that they didn't want to do, the Bible looked around and a lot of them was gone. So I tell people, if they will walk away from Jesus, man, they're going to walk away from you too. But don't focus on the ones that walk away. You focus on the ones that God's going to allow to hear what you got to say. You don't stop sharing this gospel all because you think somebody's going to walk away from it. The first time we heard it most of the time, we walked away from it. I very seldom meet someone who say, man, the first time somebody came and witnessed to me or ministered to me about the Lord Jesus Christ, I just jumped on board. No, I started going to church. But I wasn't on board. I was just in, in church. Because when I got out of church, I got on another ship. I just sailed on one ship on Sunday, and other six days I sailed on another ship. It was only when, if you keep going long enough, something's going to hit you in your spirit one day when you least expect it. And you're going to say, hey, this is real. And it's real to me, and now from this day on, I'm going to stop playing church, and I'm going to start trying to live what this word says. And, and that's what happened to me. I didn't go to church thinking that, man, I'm going to change my life. I mean, I was doing good things for the church, but I wasn't about to try to, you know, live all that holy because I, I was, it was just, that just wasn't me yet. So when they needed stuff for Thanksgiving, man, I would volunteer and buy the oranges and apples for the kids and for Christmas and all that. Man, I had no problem spending money just to do stuff, look good for the Lord. But man, I was still cutting the food. And the church folks thought I was the nicest guy around because I bought the apples for the kids and I did something good. But the Lord was working on me. I didn't know it because he was working on me. And what happened is I would leave there, and I tell this story all the time because I ain't ashamed of it, and I would give God $10, and then I'd go right around the corner and gamble and give a gambling man about $100. I mean, I got so bad. At Again, I'm talking about till I changed because everybody else had a little lawlessness in me. I mean, so it, it was so bad that, you know, I... I used to leave church because in the Baptist church you can kind of time it because you know you're going to get the deacons up there singing a little bit and you ain't going to understand it. I didn't understand it. So I said, okay, I don't need to be there for that. I wasn't trying to learn and, and, and line no hymns. I wasn't trying to do that. And you know, that was okay, but I never could understand what they were saying, so I felt like that wasn't important. I just need to get back when the choir get up and when the preacher comes. And I know that's 30 minutes from now. So I can leave, come back. But what I'm saying is that one day, though, something hit me. I was in church, and the man was preaching a sermon about the prodigal son. And man, when he preached that sermon, I remember it like it was yesterday. That thing hit me, and I said, hey, from this day on, I got to stop playing church. I got to get real about this thing. And that's when I start to 
doing some things in my life to try to get things to di be different. But it didn't happen overnight. Now, some people go through that transformation a lot quicker. But for me, it took some time because the things that I had to give up, I loved doing. I mean, I loved gambling, and I could justify it. I didn't see nothing wrong with it. I, my kids were taken care of. My bills were paid. I was giving money to the church. So I looked at that just like you look at your ticket to go see the Lakers. You going for recreation? I'm going to the casino for recreation. The same $100. I'm just going to do this with it. You're going to go and watch a basketball game. And I could justify that. But I'm glad the Lord delivered me from that. Because now I got a daughter that lives in Sin City. And if I wasn't delivered, if I, if I wasn't delivered, I couldn't even go see my grandchildren. Because everywhere out there you can gamble. But I knew I was delivered, man, when I walked off a plane right there in the airport before I can get out in the bathroom. <laughs> you can go in, you got a quarter, bam. So you know you deliver when you can go in the bathroom and know you got a quarter in your hand. Ain't nobody in there with you, but you still walk out and don't touch it. So what I'm trying to tell you, when the Lord work on us, man, when we allow him to get into our spirit and change our heart, you'll be surprised what you can give up when you truly get on board with the Lord. But the, the sad thing is, or the good thing, too, is that we don't all move at the same pace. I don't know why God set it up like that. But whatever your pace is, you're going to have to embrace this word as being the truth. Because if you don't, then you're going to be deceived by the counterfeit. And look what he says. He will use every kind of deception to fool those who are on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth to, that, will, that will save them. So God, look at this, so God will cause them to be greatly, God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they will believe these lies. In other words, this is God's call. He know enough about folk that he will turn them over to their own foolishness. That's why some places in the Bible say God will turn you over to a reprobate mind. If you're never going to change, you're never going to accept it. God knows. So he said, look here, if that's what you want, I'm going to give it to you in a stronger dose. If that's what you want. But we don't need to get to that point. But that's what, that's what he's trying to say. He said, look, God will cause them to be greatly deceived, and they will believe these lies. Then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. You know, I hear this all the time. We live in an age right now, Doc, I, I don't, you know, I'm so confused now, man. You don't know, even with medicine, doctors don't even agree. I mean, I can look at one doctor, they say, man, COVID, you know, you, you don't need that. The shot ain't doing you no good. Then I hear another doctor say, yeah, you need the boosted worker. You just don't know who to believe, man. And, you know, I done got all them shots. And I hope I, hope I, got, I, hope I listened to the right guy. Doctor, you told me, hey, whether you need that, you ought to get it. So when you told me that, I said, I'm going to trust the doc I know. But there are some people out there that listen to other doctors saying, hey, well, may not do all that. And now you can be confused about a lot of things. And now because we don't know how to discern things, you can look at the news and see something and not even believe what you're saying because somebody tell you it didn't happen. Because what happens is, it is easy for our minds to accept the lie. I mean, the lie just get in there, and, and the lie runs ten times faster than the truth. And so when we understand that, we now realize how important it is for us to always look to God's word for truth, man. We got to get to what we believe is truth. Because, as, as I said on Sunday, years ago, it was considered that the Bible had truth in it. But now there are people who are saying truth is relative. And I told you this. It is what you want it to be. If you believe that is true and you believe it hard long enough, that is true for you. And what I'm trying to say to you, your truth is your truth, but it got to match up with God's truth. And I ain't got no problem with people living out their truth, man, but some things they living out ain't got nothing to do with God. And so what happened is, is that now we got all this relative truth out there and nobody knows what is really, really objective truth. 
because now even facts can be torn apart. People say, those facts ain't right. It ain't right. So that's why for you, you got to get it settled in your spirit. You got to get it settled in your mind. Either Jesus is real or he's not. I mean, if you, if you ain't got that settled, there are people out there who can talk you right out of Jesus. I mean, good. They sound good. I mean, I'm a, I'm a minister and I study. But I listen to some of the guys say, man, that guy, he good. He good. He's a spiritualist. Talking spiritual thing. He good. Yeah, that, that's, spirit, that's a spiritual truth right there. Yeah, I got that. Yeah, that, that's good. That, yeah, that's going to get some people right there. He good. But what he failed to do, he never talked about Jesus. He keep everything in the spiritual realm and in the big G-O-D realm, and everybody will believe. My, my grandson, you know, he's a one of them engineer type guy, and you know, he go to church and all that, but man, he talked to me about some energy out there and the force out there in the, in the universe and all this and this energy do this and that, and I'm listening to him and say, okay, but what do you believe about creation? Well, I believe that it could have been both. What? Yeah, it could have been both. Why couldn't it be both? If you say God is almighty, he can do everything, why couldn't he just create Adam out of some dirt and then call the bang up there, bam, and let stuff happen? Okay. I mean, yeah, I do say God is all-powerful. He can do everything. And if he wanted to do that, he could have caused the bang. Stuff just started happening. Atoms and molecules and protons that run each other and tadpoles came and people came and God decided to stop when the monkeys got there and then decided to make a man. He could have did that. He God. I said, okay, you kind of got me right there. I won't argue you at that point. But what do you believe about Jesus? Forget about all the big bang and all that. Let's not argue that point. What do you believe about Jesus? Because now I know where his heart is when he starts talking that like he don't understand who Jesus is. Because now Big Dad's going to have a problem. Because I didn't raise you to not believe that Jesus is real. And so what I'm trying to say, because our kids are getting bombarded with all these things and they don't have the knowledge, then it's easy for them to be fooled. Because it sounds good. So this is what he says in verse 13. As for you, we can't help but thank God for you, dear brothers and sisters. Loved by the Lord. In other words, he's going back to that concept of, you know, from the beginning, God always had a plan for Gentiles to be saved since it was a Gentile church. Hey, thank God for bringing y'all into the family, giving y'all the same privilege that the Jews got. So God always had this plan. And we are always thankful to, that God chose you to be amongst the first to experience salvation. A salvation that came through the Spirit who makes you holy and through your belief in the truth. So the Spirit of God has the ability to help us to live holy. If we just let him work, he can help us. He can do that. So he's saying the Spirit can make us holy through our belief in the truth. But the Spirit ain't going to work if you don't believe the truth. And if you don't believe that God has given you his spirit to empower you, to, to, to train, to teach you, and to give you spiritual insight, if you don't believe that, you won't live in that truth. But in the world, people acknowledge that there's a spiritual forces out there. Everybody acknowledges that. All major religions believe that there's some unseen spiritual forces at work in the world. All of them. And so what we've got to see is that we as Christians, we can't be afraid to talk about spiritual things and realize that there are spirits, but you got the Holy Spirit in you. And the Bible says he is the greater one. And so therefore, if that truth is, is really ringing in my heart, then it don't make me no different about all them other spirits. Because whatever is out there is inferior to what I got. And so long as I act like that, I don't get intimidated when other people talk about their gods. Like you say, you can have that conversation. Okay, I know what I believe. I know what truth I'm holding on to. And so therefore, I don't believe 
that I'm going to let nobody pull me away from Jesus. I don't care how good it sounds. I ain't giving up Jesus. So what he's saying, now look, he was giving thanks and praising God for them because they experienced salvation. And look what he said in verse 14. He said, he called you to salvation when he told you the good news. That's what the gospel is all about. You know, church, at some point in time, I don't care where you go to church, you can listen to me online. Man, you go to a church some point in time, at least one or two Sundays of the month, they got to say something about Jesus. They got to work him into a message. They got to glorify him. They gotta, if you go and you never hear the name Jesus mentioned in a sermon, you're just getting a good motivational message. But if you're going to hear the gospel, Jesus got to be presented in some way. And I know nowadays people don't want to because Jesus is that, that the dividing point. Because the minute you say Jesus, you draw a line in the sand. And so therefore, if I don't want to offend anybody, don't want to draw that line in the sand, I stay away from Jesus. When he is the one that we're supposed to be representing. We can't stay away from him. The gospel is about him. The good news is about him. And we got to share him with everybody that needs to hear. But if we are afraid to share him and share the, what we believe, then now the gospel get watered down and you can go to church and you never see the star. And then the man or the woman that stand up there become the star. Because that's all you see. They don't highlight nobody else. So what we got to go say is, look, I don't care where you go to church at, but if they say that there's a church that believe in the gospel, Jesus got to be mentioned in there sometime. Can't preach for two months, and we don't hear nothing about Jesus. I want you to feel good. I want you to enjoy your best life now and all that. But I want you to know that you can enjoy your best life with Jesus. Amen. Can't leave him out. And so what happens is that when we get intimidated and then now it causes us to sometimes water down the gospel. We mix the gospel. In that term, water down, when they talk about it in the Bible, they were talking about just like back in that time, they said, you know, they watered down the truth because they was going to taverns and buying drinks. And they could tell when the people watered them down because it was weaker. So he's saying that when the gospel is watered down, it loses power. It gets weaker. And we don't need a weak gospel in the time that we're living in. We really don't. And the only way we can't have it is that those of you who believe it got to stand on it. Now look at this, what he says. He says, verse 15, with all these things in mind, dear brothers and sisters, somebody say, stand firm. He said, man, look, with all, this, with all this going on, you need to stand firm and keep a strong grip on the teaching we passed on to you, both in person and by letter. See, if you don't stand firm and you don't maintain a strong grip, I'm telling you, there's some stuff out there now that's so good, I'm, I'm telling you, it, it'll make you feel a doubt. I mean, there's some guys that are doing a great job. I mean, guys who really done studied this Bible, that really have bought in, that are doing an outstanding job of deconstructing the faith. Going through this Bible line by line and saying, hey, that can't be true if this happened. That can't be true. Picking it apart, trying to find different parts to find error in it. And because they used to be men of God who talked about it and stand on it, and now they done fell away from it, they got a following. And what I'm trying to tell you is that you got to know how to defend the hope that you believe in and believe that it's the truth. There are some things in the Bible, that, yes, you can find error based upon man's transposition of the word. Meaning that sometimes you'll find in the Old Testament, you may read a number in Chronicles and then go back and read that same number in Kings and the transposition may be off. The number may be slightly off. Don't attribute that to the Holy Spirit. The Bible was transcribed by men, and sometimes men may have made an error in transposition. But what we got to find out what's the truth about that particular event or uh, 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 situation. 
And, and so, yes, you can go through that. There are people that go through the Bible and say, well, you know, start making, well, Jesus couldn't have been born in December. Well, I ain't never said he was born in December. Somebody just told me that. I ain't going to argue with you about that. I mean, I, you, you cancel Christmas if you want to. I ain't got a problem with that. I didn't set that day in December. But at the same time, I understand that, yes, based on the culture, he probably wasn't, they would, shepherd wouldn't have been out in the fields in December. Based on that time of the year, what they normally do, they do. But that ain't nothing for me to argue about. All I know is he was born. He's the son of God. But if we won't say born in May, that's fine with me. I don't care. Long as we say born. But what I'm trying to say is that when people start arguing about little things like that, it starts to get you to doubt. You got to realize that Christianity has been commercialized to, to a certain degree. You know, Christmas is big business. And so therefore, Easter is big business. So therefore, some of those things bleed in, but that don't negate the fact that he died our sins, and he rose on the third day. So we got to hold on to those things that we know is true and realize that there will be people that will go through this and try to talk you out of it. There, I remember when we used to go minister uh, in, the, in the jail system, prison. Uh, a lot of times, we got outpaced by, by Muslims. Because they go in there, them guys be serious, man. They, they go in there, and they Tell them brothers, hey, look, this is the white man's book. This is that. It got this in it. You don't need to be believing that. And it sounds good. Here's this. Read this. This is for you. Da da da. And before you know it, because they was weak in the faith, they get talked right out of what they was believing by Jesus. Because now when we get in there, they done got the Quran and they locked. Yeah. Pastor. I was gonna say that's why this thing is really about relationship. You study, but you got to have that relationship with God. You got to have that time spent with God, those experiences with God. Because people can talk a good game. People, they know the Bible. The enemy knows the Bible. And he'll use the, the word against you. You know, if Jesus is going to do these, command these stones to, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's about relationship. And when you have that relationship with God, the closer you draw to God, the more you experience him, the more you know him. You know how he moved. You may not have a full understanding of what the enemy is doing, but you know what, where Jesus is leading you. You know where the Holy Spirit is guiding you. And, you can, and, and the Holy Spirit will let you know when something is just not right, when there's and, deception amen. involved. You know what I mean? Even if you don't know, you may not know everything that the, the Word says or what the Bible is saying, but you know because of that relationship, he will lead you or he will give you a a rhema word, a word that is right on time and for what question that you might be asking Amen. in order for you to, to know how to move and how to operate in this life. Amen. 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 Any other comments? Any other comments before we read on? Any other comments? So look, now going back, he says, with these things in mind, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Okay, you got you to gotta have a firm foundation and keep a strong grip on the teaching we passed on you both in person and by letter. So Christians got to be taught. And today, teaching is kind of not in, in vogue in the church now because nobody want to go through the time to teach people. Everybody, because it takes time to teach. You have to build a case when you're trying to teach people something. And so because of that, our messages have become very shallow now because uh, everybody want a 15-minute sermon, 30 at the most. Because we don't want to give God the time that he deserves when it comes to trying to learn something, to get something out of it. I'm not saying long sermons are good just because they're long. They've got to have substance in them. But what I'm trying to say is that, man, if you can go sit in an algebra class for your college degree for an hour, you ought to be able to come to church for an hour. But if what has happened is if we done got conscious of time and we no longer see the importance of being taught, then we miss a vital part of our spiritual growth. He says, you got to have a strong grip on the teaching that we passed on to you, both in person and by letter. The things that you hear in church on Sunday, in person with people, and the things that you read in this Bible. you got to have a strong grip on it. 
And if you don't have a strong grip on it, somebody will snatch it right out of your hand. Strong grip. He says now, and I'm, I'm done. He says, now made our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal comfort. Again, God is the God of all comfort. And a wonderful hope. That hope is the expectation of our future salvation. So God can comfort us in this life when we're going through. Anytime we're in a place where we're feeling down or dejected or going through some trials and struggles of life, man, you got to call on God. Because he said he is the God of all comfort. And he gave us a wonderful hope. So comfort, to comfort you and strengthen you in every good thing you do and say. So therefore, God has given us the ability through his confidence uh, and strengthening us that we can do things for him both by doing them in our works and doing them by what we say. All of you all should have a ministry of reconciliation. Paul told the Corinthians, hey, you know, we all been given a ministry of reconciliation. And that ministry of reconciliation is nothing more than you being able to tell others how God reconciled the differences between you and him. When you was not living like he wanted you to live, then you got to say, hey, here's what God did for me and how he reconciled my life. And that's your testimony. That's your story. Can't nobody tell that but you. You don't need to know all 66 of the books of the Bible to, to get into your ministry of reconciliation. It's just about a ministry of change. And if God doesn't change you, then you got a story. Everybody that comes to the Lord has to change in some way. It, you, you just can't truly accept him and not change in some way. And so the Bible tells us that we got to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Once we change the way we think, we can change the way we live. Because until then, our mind is going to continue to do the old thing. That's why we have to realize at some point in time, even for me when I was doing my gambling, I realized that the old man had to be crucified. And if I didn't crucify the old man, he was going to resurrect himself every time I go to Vegas. He don't care that I love Jesus. He don't care that I'm a preacher. He don't care. He's still in there to do his job. And because I know that, I never let my guard down. Have I ever been tempted? Oh, man, yeah, you bet I've been tempted to play the lottery right here in Florida. You know, when they get up to $600 million? You feel like, Lord, can you give me a number? You know, when I first got saved, I was in Gamble, I go to the Chinese restaurant to get a fortune cookie. And I'm going to play them six numbers on the back of that. But now I'm delivered, man. I can go and don't even play with the fortune cookie. I don't need no fortune. I ain't going there to get no fortune. Just give me some rice and let me get them out of here. I, I didn't come in here because if I started believing a cookie got my fortune in it, then I'm saying the God that I serve was waiting on me to go to a Chinese restaurant to talk to me. I'm serious. But some people do that, and I'm here, all of it. It's the same way when I tell people about, I used to be big in the zodiac sign. Man, I wanted to know everything I could about a scorpion, man. I'm a scorpion, I do this, do that. And, and you know what? You can take Sagittarius and flip them and put whatever Sagittarius say on Scorpio for a day if I don't know. And when I read it, I'm going to make it fit me. My mind going to say, oh, they talking about me. Yeah, that, that sounds just like me. Just like me. And so I say those little things like that because it's little subtle things like that that can get into our head and cloud our thinking and prevent us from transforming our minds to think like God wants us to think. Amen. Amen. Any comments before we close? We got through a little early tonight, so that's good. Any, any comments? Any comments? Sister Myrna, get a mic. I was talking to my sister today, and she, she brought up the fact that um, 
She was listening to this preacher, and he was talking about, I was talking about a family member that reached a certain age, and I'm like, okay, so this kid is such and such age. When is he going to grow up, stay out of trouble, and remember that we have kids? And, he, you know, and she was like, yeah, you shouldn't hear the preacher talking. Him saying he used to be in a gang, and he used to sell drugs and do all this. And I couldn't believe that it is a preacher now. I said, well, God don't need people that is saved already to put out their need to use people like that preacher to let people know that they can always come to him no matter where they're coming from. Amen. So what you was talking about, so you <laughs> used to lead to gamble, do all your little stuff. <laughs> I was thinking about the fact that we were talking exactly about that. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You know, we, we, all, we all have a path. We don't come to a uh, path. We don't come to God perfect. You know, and, and so that past is our testimony to let other people know if God would do something for us, he can, he can do it for them, you know, especially if you make that commitment to him, man, to, to give up some things, he can definitely change our lives for the better. And that's what I tell people. God want to change us for the better, not the worse. He wants to, to make us better. But like I say, there's so many things out there now, you got to be able to stand strong in what you believe. You can't be fooled by all the stuff that you see out there. My last little testimony, you know, I, I had never heard of uh, uh, root workers until I, you know, come to Alabama. They may have had them, but we ain't, nobody worked no root on me, you know, but there are certain people. But when I got in the military, I went to South Carolina, and I had a friend of mine I would never forget in my life. I went out to his house, and, uh, and uh, his mama said, you know, uh, such and such didn't work a root on, on Dan. You know what, what they did? They put some dust in his shoes, and Went and got the guy off Buford Island. He came over and worked something on him. I said, okay. I mean, I ain't never heard no root. You know, they don't wear root. I mean, I ain't never heard that. So that night, I had to sleep in Dan's room. You know, <laughs> I mean, and you talk about, now I wasn't saying this, so I wasn't like I am now. I didn't know. But that night, I didn't sleep all night long because I'm thinking, under this bed, somebody's going to put some dust in my shoe before I get out of here. And, man, and, and all of a sudden, I'm going to turn to a fish or something. They told you, man, look here. I, I didn't know because I didn't know. I believed it was powerful because they swore by this guy. This guy come off this island. This guy can work some magic on folks. You know what I'm saying? Okay. But I believe that if you believe it, it'll work on you. So once I found the truth, Nah, I don't care about no rule. They can go get the dog, stick a pin in, all that. <laughs> Ain't but one God. Amen. Amen. <laughs> but if you weak in the mind, they have you scared. You'll be, you'll, be, you'll be having stuff hanging all off your doors at the house, turning away spirits and all that, and you got the Holy Spirit, you got all this. What you doing? we didn't know no better we did stuff like that but now that we know better man we gotta we gotta trust God man trust his spirit amen alright I didn't mean to go into all that but anyway that's what Paul was dealing with some tough stuff back then and people were saying all kinds of things so thank you for your time tonight I pray that you got something out of tonight's lesson and got a couple of announcements for you before we let you go